0: It's own radio station, WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem.
1: Need to let your voice be heard. It's a logical (laughs)
0: fallacy,
2: and I, I know that, but. You know, as always, maybe the rest of the panel can tell you, I play a bit of the uh, devil's advocate because I am the lone black Republican up here.
3: He just made a fool out of himself. I mean, you can look at Donald Trump and think he's making a fool out of himself. You know Barack Obama, what he was like, anti-war, government...
0: uh, Boy, that escalated quickly. I got to jump into a rally to save a hospital here in Brooklyn in just a minute. I
1: stopped working on my dissertation the second my grandmother died. I'm a blazing liberal uh who
4: could have... Republican-leaning ideology to give me enough beers.
2: No, I got to get you that Illuminati Thesaurus.
0: Once you get that, you're going to be able to speak the same language I can speak. Now, a white person with a criminal record is more likely to get a job than a black person without one.
5: What? we just become
6: best friends? Yup!
5: The point of financial stability and economic justice is that you're free from confines of society and you have more freedom and to make your own choices. Just in general, people who have money
7: tend to have more access to resources to be able to use in their defense versus people that don't have money. So you see a lot of, you know, lower, in, and that's really a class issue, and, and race does come into play. This is
3: Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR, 9023 FM, the voice of Harlem. And good morning. Welcome to Let Your Voice Be Heard. Good
4: morning, African Americans. My name is Chet Fritz, and I am He's white this week. I'm, I'm I'm transracial forever. Transracial.
3: And good morning. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> Rewind. Sorry about that, guys. That was one of our older shows. So let your voice be heard. But guess what? We're live and in effect. This is let your voice be heard. Um, I am Selena Hill, a.k.a., well, Stanley the Replacement, if you guys will. The better Stanley. The better
5: Stanley. <laughs> For all um, intents and purposes.
3: Right, 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 right. So, yeah. Um, so, so I like bro- how you got it right and said intents and purposes.
7: <laughs> Everybody seems to think it's intensive
5: purposes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'm smart, so there you Aww.
7: go. Jackie Cohn, smartest person on the planet. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Jackie, you are definitely the MVP.
5: This is definitely a non-Stanley show. Because it if is. if it was Stanley, he'd be like, you're dumb, you're dumb, <laughs> I hate
3: you, you're, you're stupid. So- Stupid. You're stupid. You're stupid. Whatever. Headphones kind
5: of loud, right? A little so are mine. I'm going to
3: have to turn them down in a minute. But hey, guys, we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Um, if you guys are watching via Ustream, you see me sitting at the engineer table. And uh, my name is Selena Hill. But on Twitter and Instagram, it's Miss Selena Hill. And on Snapchat, where I have the most fun. And I dance too at silent fun. parties. too much
5: fun. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's S. Hill, 2020, guys. And my name is Alyssa Fuchs, and I am here with Selena
7: in the studio today and some other great people this morning. Um, your legal correspondent, you can find me on Facebook, uh, on the fan page at facebook.com slash politically preposterous, or you can find me on my personal page at Alyssa Fuchs on Twitter or facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs, and that's Alyssa with an I, and I'll send it to my other Hello, Hello,
5: I'm Jackie Cohen. I'm happy to be back on the show. Um, You can follow follow me on all the things on uh, Facebook at Jackie Cohen, on Twitter at Miley Cyrus, on Instagram. (laughs) Just kidding. You can follow me at at Jackie Cohen, Instagram, Twitter at J-A-Q-I-C-O-H-E-N. And I'm excited to be back on the show today. We're going to have a good show, especially yes. because Stanley is not here.
3: Definitely. We're going to have a great show. We're going to start the conversation talking about gun violence and what's been going on in Virginia. Just gonna a little briefing. Yeah, no. And and it's uh, if you didn't already hear,
7: I presume you have, but last week uh, there was another shooting. I feel like it's like every week there's a shooting because there is a shooting every week. Yeah. Um, and the thing that was so different about this shooting versus the other ones is that this one actually happened live. Not only did it happen live. On television, uh, while the reporters were live on the air. Uh, it also happened live in that the gunman, the shooter, actually videotaped it from his own point of view and then posted it on social Oof. media. Um, so, this is kind of the first time that we've had. Uh, something happened so live and in our faces like this. But I know we're going to get a lot more into that later on in the show. Um, We're also going to have uh, some other great segments today. Um, The other thing we're going to be talking about later on in the show is the Ashley Madison hack. We're going to talk about the ethics of the hack itself, but then also a larger conversation about relationship norms and and the idea of monogamy. You want to jump in
5: there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a really interesting... Um, discussion, especially between the three of us, because I think we've determined we have very different stances on the issue. Um, but this Ashley Madison hack, in general, you know, there's—I think it's a, been a really divisive issue um, between people who think yes, the hackers are totally just in these actions, and people who say no, right to privacy is really important, and we should protect people and shouldn't out them. So. I'm excited to get into it. And I'm actually
7: also excited to discuss the bigger issue we're going to have on attorney Andy Isenson, who works for Diana Adams Law and Mediation, and uh, he specializes in um, the exact uh, kinds of different and alternative Relationships that are non-monogamous, such yeah. as polyamory, non-traditional family structures, and those are really important things, so we will be really excited to talk to him later on in the show um, for the second segment. Um, of course, I'll also be doing the quickie. Of course. Um, I will end the show with the quickie. We'll be talking about ballot selfies. Um, that is exactly what it sounds like. It is <laughs> taking a selfie in the voting booth, and in some places it's actually illegal. Um, and the reason why it's illegal is because in the past there used to be a lot of voter coercion. Corro- and vote buying. And so these states thought like, hey, you know what, it's probably a good idea to make it so people are not allowed to take photographs in the voting booth so that other people cannot coerce them into voting in certain ways but today we are living in a different world and people love to take selfies and love to take photographs and one of the places they want to take them is in the voting booth um, I mean, we'll take selfies everywhere everywhere uh, so we'll talk about the first amendment and the ballot selfie and some of these new legal challenges that we are seeing that are arising uh following a supreme court case that was known as reed um and the aclu is now bringing some challenges there's been a decision in uh North, New Hampshire, I almost said North Carolina, New Hampshire, and now there's going to be another lawsuit in Indiana, so it'll be really, really interesting to get into uh, that and speak about that. Selena?
3: Yep. So, thanks for the rundown, Alyssa. <laughs> we have so much to talk about, guys, and of course, if you want to let... Your voice be heard. You can call us up at 212-650-6903. I just want to say, FYI, it is so distracting watching myself on the YouTube Why? screen. you're so
5: beautiful. No, you're just so distracted <laughs> by your beauty.
3: No, no, it's it's not even that. I don't I don't know, guys. I, I just keep I don't know. i I'm, It's like um.
5: You're pulled into your essence. I don't know. It's,
3: it's like a it's like a selfie <laughs> mirror. I don't know. It's just it's just a little distracting, guys. But um, speaking of um, you know, things that I can't get my mind off of, let's talk about Scatter Radio. Um, for the last few weeks yes. I've been talking about the fact that Let Your Voice Be Heard is now on the Scatter Radio Network. So that means that you can check out our shows on scatterradio.com. You can also listen live on Scatter Radio. And you should also just check out the site because they have a lot of grassroots uh different shows, talk shows, music shows. Um, people from all around the world, they use this platform to basically let their voices be heard. And if you like politics or music, whatever you want, um, try it out. And if you guys want are thinking about your own podcast, definitely try out scatter radio do it. so um yeah guys and on and that didn't you also yes, do an interview with scatter oh, radio so I you did. should read the interview that selena did because it's really it's really great. good yeah. it's right on their front page too just scroll down a little bit and we're still posted right bam. there definitely bam so all right guys we're gonna go on a quick little break but when we come Ooh. back <laughs> there will be no changes this is let your voice be heard stay tuned
0: I see no changes. Wake up in the morning and I ask myself, it's life worth living? Should I blast myself? I'm tired of being porn, even worse. I'm black. My stomach hurts, so I'm looking for a purse to snatch. Cops give a damn about a need, bro. Pull a trigger, killing He's a heat, bro. Get it to the kids to the hell can One less hungry mouth on the welfare. Birdship him 'em don't let him deal with brothers. Give them dust, step back, watch 'em kill each other. It's time to fight back, that's what Huey said. Two shots in the dark now, Huey's dead. I got love for my brothers. Share with each other. We gotta start making changes. Learn to see me as a brothers that are two distant strangers. And that's how I are supposed to be. I can the devil take the brother if he's close to me? Uh. i let it go back to what we played as kids with change, That's the way it is. Come on. Come on. That's just the way it is. one got its own radio station. Once again, back is the incredible. WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Harlem.
2: This is Sister Virginia Cotton, and I'll take you to that place every Tuesday morning from 6 to 10 in the AM on the Gospel Legends program. We'll lift the Savior and take a trip down memory lane. How far back will I go? Tune in on Tuesday morning, WHCR 90.3 FM from 6 to 10 in the AM. And don't forget the website that's the3w's.whcr.org. Dot
8: dot I'm so excited. This is the sound of someone correctly installing a car seat. And this is the sound of someone incorrectly installing a car seat. Correctly. Incorrectly. Hear the difference? No? That's because installing a car seat incorrectly is terribly easy. So much so, 75% of adults install them wrong. For simple instructions on how to get it right, visit buckleupforlife.org. Ah, perfectly executed. Brought to you by Cohen Children's Medical Center.
9: just the way it is, things will never be the same.
3: And we are back. This is "Let Your Voice Be Heard" right here on WHCR ninety point three FM, the Voice of Harlem. My name is Selena Hill, aka the Voice of Harlem. No, I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> um, and I'm here with Alyssa Fuchs, Jack C- Jackie Cohen, Oops. Jackie Cohen, Jackie Cohen. Sorry about that. And we have a very special in studio guest. His name is Chad R. Mick. Donald, and um, he's an activist for New Yorkers Against Gun Violence. He's also an editor and a columnist for QuietMike.org, where he specializes in writing about gun violence prevention. He's also a very, very funny man who has the most adorable son the ever, cutest kid ever, cutest kid ever. He's Chad. <laughs>
1: Yes. Already.
3: He is already the mayor. Did you want to just say De Blasio, hi? watch out. Uh-oh. Chad's son is coming for you. It's yeah. going to happen. It's, it definitely is. It definitely is, guys. So we're starting off the show speaking about gun violence um, prevention, answers, solutions. I mean, it's a lot to talk about because it's like every other month or week or, you know, it's just something that's always happening in the news. And it just so happened that recently a um, a... Reporter, well, an old reporter. He actually um, used to work at a Virginia based station called WDBJ.tv. And um, he was fired back in 2013. And he sought to get vengeance and seek revenge. And what happened was he actually shot. This young 24-year-old woman while she was doing a live interview on the local news station. So he shot her. He um, also shot the person she was interviewing. And he also shot the cameraman. So he killed the reporter. He killed the cameraman. And he recorded his actions, like this incident, on his own phone. And then uploaded it and shared it to social media.
5: But also, it was broadcasted live.
3: And it was broadcasted live. Um, So if you happen to be watching,
5: being
7: sitting on my couch that morning and watching the morning show and seeing those events unfold. And I think that's, as I mentioned earlier, what really distinguishes... This event from some of the other event, shooting events we've seen.
3: Well, the thing is, um, the newscaster herself that was at the anchor desk, she didn't know. She said afterward that she was like, she it did not resonate with her that those were gunshots. She just thought there was like, you know, some type of trouble that they were in or, you know, something was happening or technical difficulty. But no, he shot him. And the guy was identified. Um, he was a 40-year-old man. Um, his name was, um, I forgot his first name. Um, oh, he went by the name Bruce, no, Bryce Williams. But his real name was, I think it was like Versi Vanegan or something like that. I think that. it's the opposite way around. I think Vanigan may have. Or,
1: it was Vester Lee Flanigan.
3: Vester Lee Vanigan. That Thank was you. his pseudonym, No, correct? that was his no, real no. name. That was his real name? That was his real name. Was Bryce Williams. Okay, okay, got it. Right. So then afterward, he you know, went on a chase, and the cops are you know, pursuing him, and eventually he committed suicide. And a lot of his former employees came out and said, you know, he was distraught, he was disgruntled. We fired him because he had very violent, aggressive tendencies, and, you know, he was a little off, basically, basically. So a lot of people were like, I'm not that surprised that it was him. And he did, like, leak this, like, manifesto saying that, you know, it's i was seeking vengeance because Which the is person was racist. Be-
5: well, sorry to cut oh, you off. Oh, because he was I, a black man. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting. I mean, I wonder how much that has to do with the fact that people say, you know, typically you hear about these shootings, and the first thing you hear people say is, oh, I never would have suspected. <laughs>
2: response team, or CERT of New York City, provides assistance in preparing and recovering from emergencies. CERT assists first responders and provides staffing for city shelters in response to disasters and extreme weather conditions. City College is one of the many locations for hurricane evacuation. CERT team members are local and live amongst the community, so they are always there for the people. CERT members will speak to any organization about emergency planning for the elderly, children, and the disabled. They offer workshops in creating go-bags, emergency communication, and evacuation plans, and shelter-in-place kits. To learn how to prepare for emergencies, call South Harlem CERT at 917-406-6661.
0: Harlem has its own radio station, WHCR 90.3 FM. The voice of Harlem.
3: Sunday! I think I forgot to say that. We're not having a happy conversation, but it is sunlight outside, and there is some hope, hopefully, to push and to look forward to.
7: Just go back and forth between mass shootings and police killing black people. Like...
3: All right, yeah, so it's not a fun. happy Sunday, Alyssa. <laughs> um, we're back on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Again, my name is Selena Hill. I'm here with Alyssa Fuchs, Jackie Cohen, and Chad R. McDonald, who is holding it down. He is an activist and a writer when it comes to gun violent prevention. And we have a very special caller on the line who um, was here the last time we had a conversation about gun violence and prevention. Her name is Colette, and um, she's calling in, I think, all the way from Long Island. Good morning. Collette.
6: Hi, good morning, ladies. Queens, actually, not too far. Queens. Yay, Queens. Queens. Yes. Morning, Please. Collette.
3: So, Collette, we're having this conversation about the recent shooting that happened in Virginia. And, you know, I kind of want to get to some solutions, like what are the answers? And, you know, as Chad mentioned, it's a complex issue. Um, we do know that the prevalence of gun violence and uh, just gun culture has a strong prominence on why this keeps happening over and over again. But, you know, w- sure. what are your thoughts and comments on this?
6: Sure. Okay. Well, real quick. I mean, I think that this um, this discussion about mental health is a is a truly important thing that we need to address in this country nationwide. But I want to point out on the nexus of mental health and gun violence, there are a couple of things that just jump up as screamingly obvious here. You know, the the American mental health problem, which the NRA want to want to direct these issues to. And many, many politicians that are sitting in office right now want to say they want to look at as being an underlying cause of gun violence. That would all be perfectly reasonable if we didn't have this thing called the rest of the world that has plenty of mental health problems and programs and they struggle with solutions there as well. The place where we are exceptional is that we just have the best armed mentally ill population in the world. So if we're going to take a serious look at that, we need to be very somber about it. Now, what enrages me is to see politicians say, we certainly have a mental health problem in this country. And then when you go to look at their voting record, they have denied every expansion of mental health services for the population that needs it, while at the same time approving and voting for every NRA-scripted bill that gets put on their desk. So there's a tremendous disconnect there that we need to look at. Um, And I am am going online and finding the politicians that are saying this nonsense and making it my business to cut and paste their voting record on both the gun and the mental health issues. Mm. Because we have to stop walking away from it. And as concerned citizens, that's our homework.
4: Mm.
6: So the other thing I would say too is You know, let's look at Virginia. What goes on there? Basically, if you can fog a mirror, you can get a gun in Virginia. (laughs) Any kind of gun or as many guns as you want. There's no permit to purchase. There's no license required. As a matter of fact, and I don't think people know this, you can get state authorization to carry a loaded gun in public at fun parks and movie theaters and at the Piggly Wiggly, By doing your training course online. Wow. That
3: is a disgrace. (laughs) That is scary. Wow. There's
6: not you know, this is not a somber and serious approach to gun ownership. And it's for that reason that I say the NRA, based right there in Virginia, in Fairfax, they are not a pro Second Amendment organization. They used to be. They used to be all about shooting sports and conservation and hunting, Um, when they lost their minds in the late 70s, they became not an advocacy organization. They are anti-gun regulation. That is what they are. And in my opinion, that makes them pro-crime. And the reason for that is nothing sells good guy guns like easy access to guns for bad guys.
3: Mm. So it sounds like they're all doing it for a profit. Thank you so much, Colette, for calling in and just giving us a breakdown is one thing that I just wanted to highlight that she said is something that we all can do. And that is making sure you know where your elected official stands on this right. And if you have someone that's elected in your hometown, on the local level, on the state level, then, you know, uh, Get a petition started. Sign that petition. Um, start doing a little activism in your own community. Start raising the awareness because we can take back our communities. It does not have to be a such a pro-gun. Um, America, we can do something.
7: Yeah, no, and I just wanted to add to the comments that Colette made, which I thank her very much for. Uh, You know, one of the things she mentioned was about voting records and mental health treatment, right? So, one of the things that Obamacare did, the Affordable Care Act, was expand mental health treatment and provide low-cost or free mental health treatment to many people that needed it. That was the biggest expansion of mental health in America in over since the 1970s, essentially. A lot of these politicians who are uh, the ones who go online and on TV and say, you know, this is a mental health problem, they are also going online and on TV and saying let's repeal the Affordable Care Act, which is the thing that's the biggest mental health expansion. Uh, My second comment that I wanted to make, um, you know, which is not necessarily related to those comments, um, but in retrospect to me, and this was a tweet I saw, but I'll I'll just repeat it, and this guy Dan Hodges, he wrote, in retrospect, Sandy Hook marked the end of the U.S. gun control debate. Once America decided killing children was bearable, the debate was over and i know chad has some comments about that so i'm going to let him respond to that
1: well i could understand the frustration with someone saying something like that believing something like that but the fact of the matter is is that it's not true america did try to do something america is still trying to do something i'm trying to do something every day so are a lot of my friends so is everyone in this room the issue is not that we didn't do anything the issue is we were blocked
3: Right, right.
1: The NRA, the gun lobbies, and their pets in the Republican Congress are the only reason that didn't go through, and that's directly due to the gun culture and uh, gun fetishists, as I call them, uh, and the pro-pro gun extremists. And just to touch back on what Collette said about uh, mental illness, I have actually faced the Republican mental illness boogeyman. I was faced down. You know, I was working a bar um, and I was doing security and just one random night it was before 10pm on Thursday in June 2005 this kid just ran into the bar with a kitchen knife and tried to cut someone's throat. Mm. It didn't work because he was on one of those spinny stools like what I'm sitting <sighs> on right now and he was a small he was a small boy. He was a fourteen year old slip of a kid. Threw his arm around his neck and went to cu- cut went to cut his throat and just threw him off balance, knocked him on the floor, just got him a little nick. In that room were myself, the bartender, an off duty cop, and several other big, strong, tough, you know, sports watching guys. And you know what we all did? What? Nothing. We all stood there with our mouths open because you know what people do when there's a crisis situation Mm -hmm. and this is why the good guy with a gun crap that the NRA says doesn't work. They stand with their mouths open in shock every single time and then they bolt. This kid ran into the bar, grabbed a dude with a knife, tried to cut his throat, and almost got away. But I somehow managed to snap snap two and intercept him. Yeah. Mm and uh and and even then as i'm looking at this kid i'm like he's not home he's not there mm-hmm. uh th- he's not responsible for his actions at all and so i used reasonable restraint we held on to him until the police arrived which contrary to what the gun people tell you was pretty quickly yeah uh and they handled him now uh this was in canada so he was off his meds once he was released from from the mental health facility he was in, and the demons came back into his head, and next thing you know, he's got a knife, and he's running into some random bar because it was in the neighborhood. If he had had a gun, mm. yeah, I would be dead. What? My friends would be dead. It would be a news story. The difference is is that the, the gun laws in Canada, up until recently, were a lot more stringent, and uh, it's to get a handgun in Canada up until recently... You had to really prove that you were responsible. And, you know, the talking point that gets used all the time, which is if you don't like guns, don't buy one. That is <laughs> a load of crap. You may as well just say if you don't like guns, don't get shot by one. Right. Mm. A gun yeah. is not a toy. It is a heavy responsibility, not just for you, but for everyone around you. Right. Even when it is not in your possession.
3: Right. And, I mean, that story, Chad, it just leads to how many other stories have we seen in America of children getting access to guns and shooting themselves, a shooting their mother in by, Walmart, yep, shooting a, another adult. Every
1: 36 hours a child is shot.
3: Because they are getting access to guns because exactly. we have hundreds of millions of guns across America. Exactly. Yeah, and if you have a question or a comment, you should definitely give us a call
7: 212-650-6903. We'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions on that. Chad, I know there was an article published earlier in the week um, through Quiet Mike, definitive proof that Mm -hmm. guns do kill people. A lot of this trope we hear all the time. Guns don't kill people, people kill people. And I was hoping that you could address this article, what this study is showing. Um, I know we're having a slight internet problem. Mine (laughs) has cut out at the moment, um, but I know that you're familiar with the article I'm discussing and I was hoping that you can jump in and and talk about that and debunk this myth of guns don't kill people, people kill people.
1: Well, a lot of the whole, a lot of the whole, uh, guns don't kill people, people kill people, uh, that old saw is used by the same people who will also then turn around and say, guns save lives. Right. Oh, guns don't kill people, guns save lives. I got it. Okay. Uh, and a lot of the, um, a lot of the rhetoric that comes out of the NRA and the gun lobbies to talk about how you need more guns. If there's more guns, there will be less crime. And a lot of this boils down to one guy. There's a fellow out there by the name of John Lott. Now he's written a book called "More Guns, Less Crime," which talks about more guns means less crime. The problem of this, and you can Google this and look it up. All, there's all kinds of material out; it's coming forth more and more. Is that it's not true? He made that stuff up. He did this. He did this survey, which he based his whole study on, uh, but he can't. He can't find one scrap of evidence to support it. Oh, his computer crashed. He doesn't have any records financial. Financially, of paying these people to do the survey for him. He can't name anybody who did the survey for him. And on top of that, he assumed a sock puppet identity, called himself Mary Roche. And this is something he does on a regular basis. He just did it again with, uh, with, an, with another woman, uh, wrote, wrote under an assumed female identity, to push campus carry. So this is the guy, mm. this guy. And, and he was outed in 2003 as being a complete fraud.
4: Mm. And for
1: whatever reason, he was resurrected by the media. He writes columns for Fox News, and he is continuing right on like nothing happened. He made it up. It's not true. the The, the fact of the matter is, is that more guns equals more gun violence. It's right. just that simple. More guns, more shootings, more mass shootings more everything bad
3: right and it it doesn't make any sense when we're looking towards what we can do and what progressive steps that we can make um one thing i wanted to mention really quickly is walmart has announced that they will no longer be selling assault rifles Mm -hmm. in u.s stores due to lack of consumer demand chad is that a progressive step what do you what do you think about that
1: it isn't it isn't uh i have a friend by the name of manny that uh that wrote about this and uh and uh, his his take was that yes it is a good step and uh it certainly uh, it certainly uh, brought a, a lot of the pro extremists out of the woodwork to attack Walmart. Um.
7: Which is funny because it's capitalism, right? The other thing that they always talk about—the free market. Oh yeah, no. Walmart is saying, "Listen, it doesn't make sense for us in the free market to sell this product because it's not selling and it's costing us more to buy it than, and we're not making money, and so we have a profit motive to not sell it, which is, you know, conservative free market—the invisible hand. But now, of course, they're outraged about that because they think it has something to do with guns or assault rights, uh, assault weapons per se, and not necessarily with the idea that, you know, it's just not in Walmart's financial interest to sell these weapons. Right. But it also doesn't discount the fact that, uh, you know, the a lot of these shootings happen not with these, quote unquote, assault weapons. They happen with handguns, right? Yes. Even this most recent shooting happened well, with a handgun. Most, ma-
1: most mass shootings are, are, are family members.
7: You're more likely to be killed by a gun if there's a gun in your house, by right? yeah. your own gun,
5: than if you don't have a yeah, gun in your house, correct? a chance
1: of suicide for either you or your family members, or your family members killing you.
5: I just, I don't understand. I know, I can understand the the rationale to owning a handgun, even though I don't agree with it. I can understand that, you, you know, there's an argument, it's used for protection. I don't understand why you would need an assault rifle, and why you would need to go to Walmart and buy it. Um, well,
1: I'm, they think that uh, if they have an assault rifle that they'll be invincible right and then that, that uh, nobody can hurt them but i'm here to tell you from personal experience multiple times especially from that time at the bar when that kid ran in with a knife if we'd all had guns nothing would have happened yeah we would have still stood you there with our mouths in. dropped and open. And if he had a
5: gun... If he had a gun, would have we'd been all be
3: dead.
7: If there was ever a time where the good guy with the gun trope should have applied, it was in the train wreck shooting that occurred down, exactly. down in Louisiana. Lafayette. Louisiana, Lafayette. It was just actually where our friend Manny is from, mm-hmm. um, has some of the loosest or gun laws that there are out there. Right. Everybody, yeah. they have open carry, everybody goes to the movies, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, with a gun. So if there was ever a time where the quote-unquote good guy with a gun should that have should turned around at the movie theater and prevented uh, an incident like this. It was then, and it didn't happen, which just leads you to believe that is a falsity. I've
1: said it many times. It does not matter if you have a gun, if another guy with a gun has a drop on you.
3: Yeah, it, it doesn't. Chad, you mentioned that you are an activist. You have dedicated yeah. your life to getting guns um, you know, off the streets and just stopping gun violence. Is there anything else that you can leave with our listeners, people who feel very helpless and very scared for their own safety, seeing all of these shootings that continue, continue to happen?
1: Certainly. That's exactly how I felt. I mean... Uh returning to the states was a shock in in how much the media had changed how much the gun culture had become more prevalent um i'm a giant nerd i'm sitting here with my green lantern ring (laughs) so when the aurora shooting happened during the filming of batman that was that was something that you know touched me i mean this even beyond the the horrible event that 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 took place and then you know I, i came here for love i came here to marry my wife and when she was pregnant with liam uh, we were moving to Brooklyn, and that was when Sandy Hook happened and it was horrible. this was supposed to be a wonderful day we we're supposed to be launching out onto onto you know a, a brand new brand new life and like Liam has been the light of my life but when we were moving to our home, that's all we could think all we could see all we could hear was children are getting killed in schools and that's when I you know I realized this is this is not just my life anymore it's I'm responsible for someone else and who am I if I don't try to do my very best to effect a change you know, and I'm not even someone who's been directly affected by gun violence. And it's it's just hitting me so hard because he's starting preschool in the fall, <laughs> school is coming up, and and I need to change this. So it's very easy to get involved. Um, social media, as horrible uh, as 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 horribly as it was used in the Virginia shooting, is still the key to getting involved. Um, just about every gun violence prevention org is out there. And you can approach them online and sign up and do it. There's plenty of them. I'm with New Yorkers Against Gun Violence. Mm-hmm. We're easily accessible online. Uh, you can find us on their Facebook page. Say hi. Uh, mm-hmm. Other great organizations, Coalition to Stop Gun Violence, is out there. They're amazing. Uh, Moms Demand, of course. They're just they're just a force to be reckoned with. All of these. All of these amazing organizations are always looking for people, always looking for help. Moms Demand just had a tremendous rally yesterday in uh, in Brooklyn for Spike Lee's block party. So they were there for that. Um, New Yorkers Against Gun Violence is always always promoting events. There's uh, We were just at the Brooklyn Borough Hall with New Yorkers Against Gun Violence and Moms Demand speaking with Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney. And it takes little to no effort to get started, but before you know it, you're actually helping to affect a change. Mm -hmm. I didn't start speaking out against gun violence until after Sandy Hook, to my great shame, because it was something that I felt strongly about, but it took Sandy Hook to get me motivated, and Mm -hmm. that's something I'm going to have to, you know, live down. But once I started, it's amazing how quickly you, you will start realizing that you get involved, and It's easy enough as a mouth click.
3: Right. Chad, how can people follow you and your writings?
1: Oh, okay. Well, you can find me on Facebook at Chad or McDonald. Uh, I'm probably not going to accept a friend request if I don't know you, but uh, you can follow along. I run several Facebook pages that uh, speak to this issue, and uh, because it's an issue that's so intense, I also have Facebook pages uh, Facebook pages that have nothing to do with it. I like to talk <laughs> about the Yankees and the Rangers and flowers and, <laughs> <laughs> and comic books because you need to. I mean, this yeah. is the sort of this is the sort of issue that you know if you if you immerse yourself into it for too long, right. it's going to make you nuts. You yeah. need to have things that uh, you know that get you away from Chad
3: that. we commend you on your work and your activism which is very inspirational because the work you're doing is preventing someone else from being shot and killed um, and we thank you for that and you know you just gave a rundown of how people can get um, involved and it can be as easy as signing up on Twitter and following a group leave, leaving a donation if mm-hmm. you cannot go to every single meeting or you know showing up to a rally and and, and, and just showing your support and letting your voice be heard on comes the to worse, issue to worst
1: call out to me on Twitter at chadmac19 and I'll send you a link that you need to sign up to. Uh, Follow me along on Facebook, and I've got a ton of pages you can click on to, and we'll all tell you what you can do.
3: There is something we can always do on that note. We're going to go to a quick break, but stay tuned. We're coming back with the news roundup right here, and let your voice be heard.
5: .com recently named New York City as the most stressful city in the United States because of the high cost of living, long commutes and overcrowded conditions. Some New Yorkers combat stress with exercise and fun activities in Central Park. But if stress has become too overwhelming for you to cope with, there is help. Harlem Hospital has an outpatient clinic that can help you deal with stress, alcoholism, anger management and substance abuse. Seminars and workshops are held at Harlem Hospital on West 137th Street between Lenox and Fifth Avenues on the 4th floor. Workshops are held Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to noon. Call 212-939-3210 for more information.
0: Come on, yeah! You're listening to WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem.
3: Your voice be heard right here on WH CR 90.3 FM. A dance party up in here. The voice of oh, yeah. we're having a silent no, it's not a silent dance party. But we're having a <laughs> fun time here and let your voice be heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM. As you can see, Stanley is not here. His presence is missed by me, but he'll probably be here next week if he's not drunk. I know Jackie is like, "Yes, I'm <laughs> you know, loving everything." Um, but we're having an all female, all empowering show today, and um we just wrapped up a great segment talking about gun violence prevention and now it's time for the news roundup this is the time where we share some of the stories that really resonated and moved us throughout the week and of course if you want to let your voice be heard the number is 212-650-6903 so there were a few things that touched me throughout the week. I'm trying to think, was it the more of the fact that manspreading is now an official word in the Oxford Dictionary? or it remember, is? Yeah. Yeah. We had this big debate. <laughs> it was Jackie. We Allison, did it, guys. We I. did it. Take I like, that, Stanley. I won. I, I like to say credit for the fact that, you know, manspreading is now an official word. I,
5: oh, my God. I did not know that. That's yeah. my day. So
3: that means, guys, if you manspread, not only can you, I think you can get a fine in New York City if you do it on the subway but um now you know you're, you're actually it's actually a real thing okay for the the naysayers and the people who are like there's no such thing as man spreading there is and it's basically when men take up more room than they need to simply out of entitlement so you know that man who takes up two seats on the subway because and his like it's not that serious, but he just wants to spread his legs all the way apart. Just so tell him, like, dude, you're man spreading, and you need to
5: stop. So I get into a fight about this with my boyfriend, like daily, where he's like, "Well, I see women spreaders all no. the time. I see women. No. First I see of all, women put bags,
7: one. put a put bag bags, on the seat. But yeah. I've also seen them move them if yeah, other people I, get on." I-
5: don't think, and I think it speaks to a bigger issue of just male privilege, oh, yeah. where it's like they're just taking up the space that they don't need, and there's so many arguments. Oh, they need it. No, they don't. No, no as, I will see dudes just like sprawled out like it's their living room yeah. on the A train, and it's really, it's really gross. And I'm glad that the dictionary is defining what I, you
7: know. Speaking of, I know it's true sprawling out of control. (laughs) Um, So in other big news, that's not about manspreading. (laughs) Um, So one thing that sprawled out of control this week was the stock market. I don't know if you've been paying attention to that. Um, A lot of people haven't because, you know, there's obviously this disconnect between middle class people who work, you know, for a living and then what goes on in the stock market. I mean, we saw for months and months and months the stock market make huge gains, but yet there was not you know, wages did not lift. Yeah, nobody you know. who wasn't
5: rich was really <laughs> Right, I mean, there was no
7: trickling that. down. Right, exactly. um, But then what happened last week was um, there's, like, a major crisis going on in China about their exports. So if you don't really know, um, and I'll try and break this down because I'm not a finance person and I don't do that kind yeah. of law, but... Um, Right now, the American dollar is very, very strong. Um, We've actually, because we've had such a strong recovery, which, you know, of course, Republicans don't want to admit to because they hate the president. But it's true. But it's true. Um, Or at least with respect to our economy as a whole, not necessarily with respect to how you are feeling in your own pocket. So I don't want to discount that. You know, we are still people, middle class people are still struggling. Middle and lower class people. But the economy
5: as a whole whole has has gone up. up.
7: Um, And what that means is we've had a stronger dollar, and so China has had a hard time sort of exporting stuff because when the dollar is strong, that means certain things cost more um, for other countries to be able to export, XYZ. Like I said, I'm not a finance person. And so the Chinese government, which is run by the Communist Party, it's a uni-party system, essentially. They have one party that runs the whole government. They started manipulating the Chinese stock market and playing with certain things and you know, doing a little, little of this, a little of that. Had a little sugar, a little spice to try and <laughs> mm. even things out for China, and that caused sort of global turmoil within the global financial markets. And so basically, you know, if you went down to Wall Street early last week, investors had like their hair on fire, yeah. and everybody was freaking out, and the market was like crashing out from underneath them. Um, but now it seems by the end of the week, things have sort of stabilized a little yeah. bit. But we, you know, between the crisis that's going on in Greece and the Eurozone with Germany, and now with China... Um, You know, a lot of people don't realize our markets are global and those things affect U.S. markets and and affect us here. So it's definitely something we really have to pay attention to, even though it may be something that seems kind of – Little removed, removed but removed, it's not or that we're removed from but it does affect us so um I definitely encourage people to read more on that issue right. educate themselves even or just the basics so that they can have a better understanding of sort of what's going on in the world when it comes to financial markets and what that might mean for them
3: no definitely we definitely should be paying attention to that and there's something else I've been paying quite a lot of attention to and that's Joe Biden 2016 actually yeah. suggested it you're loving it <laughs> I really I really am um, so um the White House uh, recently just came out and admitted that he's still mulling over jumping into the race. He announced earlier this year that he would make his decision by the end of the summer so we're quickly approaching and there have been, uh, there's not only is there a lot of talk but there's a whole campaign that's been raising millions of dollars on behalf of Joe Biden to push him to enter into the race and if he does he already has um, this pool of money. So what we've been hearing from the right is people saying like "You yeah, Joe, know, Joe Biden's definitely going to enter into the race because the Democratic Party doesn't trust that Hillary is going to succeed because of all of her scandals. By scandals, they mean mm. her private her email. email account, Benghazi, Being et cetera, et cetera. Right, Mary to Bill, right, to Bill <laughs> Monica Lewins, whatever they can pull up. So that's what they're saying. And then you have, like, people on the left who are just saying, Well, we really want to see Joe um, get back into the race but I mean the thing is he ran for president two times before right. throughout his career and he failed miserably. Yeah. Um so I mean the thing
5: is he's done it before and how successful could he be I and could he even beat Hillary? No, I don't think it's a good idea. I mean I like Joe Biden a lot. I've liked him I liked him in two thousand eight. I don't think he if I was him, no way would I want that, right? He I mean he's been in the White House now as Vice President for eight years, he is going up against, he would be going up against Hillary, which isn't, you know, a easy opponent, yeah. um, and she, I mean, I, I just don't think it would be a good career move for him to then, you know, look at what happened to Gore, and I mean, now, he, you know, he's fine, but um, <laughs> I don't think, I, I don't know, if I was him, I don't think it would be, if it was like a feasible move, and there was like a really weak opponent on the left that he could take on, and really, um, you know, champion, for the left and for the Democratic Party, then I think go for it. But I don't think it's a smart maneuver. I think Hillary would share a lot of supporters with him. Um, there's a, you know, and also I think that the right would attack him in that way. You know, they're like, uh, public enemy number one in their minds is Obama. And so he is from that administration. They're going to go all after him for that. So I I don't think it's a good move. Not you know, and
7: move. also there's another thing that he said last week that a lot of people I maybe didn't pick up on is that, you know, he's still... Getting over the loss of his son. Very tragic, very (laughs) tragic family event. I mean, he's actually had numerous tragic family events over the course of time. Um, But he said one of the things that's coming into consideration is his emotional, you know, how um, it's really emotional to run a campaign. I mean, people are attacking you from the the left, people are attacking you from the right, you know, people are going after your family, looking to dig up as much dirt on you as possible. Um, You know, it's just really emotionally draining to run a campaign. And when you just have lost your son. You know, it's hard enough as it is for a parent yes. to have to bury a child, like to engage in a, a campaign can be just yeah. completely emotionally taxing. So I can see that as a big reason why he actually chooses not to get involved in the race.
3: No, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Um, so speaking about the race and candidates who are not only in the race, but they're actually going up against each other. That's Senator Ted Cruz from Texas. He's a Republican and our favorite GOP front runner, Donald Trump, Um who's just killing everybody in the polls so they're actually teaming up together for a rally in dc in a few weeks to protest president obama's historic iran nuclear deal so i think it's just a maneuver by ted cruz and his campaign to try to get some more points and, and you know just to get some more publicity by having donald trump come down and they have this um this rally together i think i think it's just like a i think it's a pr move um to tell you the truth but the thing is there is a lot of um Discord and a lot of conflict going on around the Iran deal because we know that Congress will have to approve it in mid-September. So and if they don't, I mean, President Obama has vowed to veto. I think
7: they will. Right. Um, It seems like it seems like. Yeah. So right now from the last uh, thing that I understood or that I was reading about just yesterday was that um, they need four more votes And there's 14 potential people. So they're pretty sure that out of 14 people, they will be able to get four of those people. It means 10 of those people could not vote in the favor, and as long as four of them do. Um, So the odds are in their favor, so to speak, um, on getting that done. Um, Plus, as you mentioned, even if they don't do it – like. The president is sort of in a position, this is one of those things where it's sort of the opposite. Whereas if Congress doesn't do anything, then this is going to end up going through. So if Cong- if Congress doesn't, you know, does what they normally do, which, yeah, which is, is nothing, nothing um, huh. hashtag because Congress, <laughs> yeah. then, you know, the, the deal will go through. And and there's still definitely some contentious points, um, you know, to the deal. And there's still things that people on both sides of the aisle don't like about it. And there's still fights that are going on between um. Between different groups of Jewish people in America, Um, Mm, you know, and and that's a very contentious issue uh, between Jews that see this as a way of giving Iran the bomb, essentially, and other Jews that say, you know what, we don't want another war, we want to try diplomacy. So you're also seeing, like, that is very much coming into play as well.
3: No, it's very true, guys, and um, we're actually gonna have to go on another quick break. But when we come back, we're gonna talk about something really fun and re- and juicy. Relationship yeah. goals hashtag. We're gonna be talking about cheating, monogamy, morality, infidelity, and what this all means in twenty fifteen in light of the recent Ashley Madison cheating website hack. So I'll have all the information on so um, when we come back from this break. So stay tuned. Again, this is Let Your Voice be heard
2: is around you say baby I love you
6: you ain't running
2: gay say my name say my name you acting kind of shady ain't calling me baby why the sudden change say my name say my name you no one is around you say baby I love you you ain't running gay say my name say my name you acting kind of shady ain't calling me It's hard to believe that you are at home by yourself when I just heard the voice or the voice of someone else. Just this question.
0: FM, the voice of Harlem. You are a waste, a loser. Everyone hates you. Why don't you just stay in your car and keep driving? I'm serious. Drive until you run out of gas, then get out of your car, and walk until you find someone who doesn't think you're dumber than bricks. Could take a while, but at least all that walking might burn a couple of calories. You may not witness bullying like this every day. Your kids do. They want to help, but they don't know how. Visit StopBullying.gov to learn safe, simple ways your child can help stop bullying. Be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Harlem has its own radio station, WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem.
3: And we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem, as you just heard from our announcer. Um, So <laughs> we are back, guys, and we're talking about... Something that I think a lot of people like to talk about um, when it comes to relationships, except for we're going to really dive in. Alyssa just said sex? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. (laughs) Right, right, right. Well, sort of. Sort of, sort of, sort of. So, okay, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, last month, the cheating website Ashley Madison was hacked. And what happened is the hackers broke into the site after the CEO, Noel Bitterman, um, he refused to concede to their demands and shut down Ashley Madison, which is an online network for users to facilitate extramarital affairs. So it encourages married people to sign up, register, and have an affair. So um, as a result, because the CEO was like, no, we're not going to do this, the perpetrators, they released the detailed records Um, of the millions of people that were actually registered, about 34 million. 37. 37 million. Thank you for that, um, Jackie. And it turns out that at least 10,000 of those people had an email account or a server that was tracked back to our federal government or our military. There were also a couple of celebrities and some clergymen. Some judges. Some judges. I mean, it was like... A lot of different people, right? 34 yeah. million people. But I will say that they kind of like sort of like finagled the, the numbers when it came to women. It turns out of only about 15% of those 34 million users happened to be me- women. And only a slice of that 15% happened to have active
5: profiles.
3: So I think they were like, so basically it was like all oh, these men, okay? Men looking to have um, an extramarital affair with. Um, whoever they can find on the website. Right. It
5: was sort of a scam in a way. I mean, I think it's a free website to sign up for, but you can pay for premium service, I believe. Um, But also it's worth noting that a lot of these emails were put into the database. Um, I mean, you know, when you you, typically when you sign up for a service, a web service, they'll shoot you an email back um, and then you have to click it to verify that you've it's your email, right. that you're that person, and then um, you can use the site. But the, Ashley Madison didn't do that. You could just put in an email, and then you had an account. They never verified your email. So people are either alleging, or actually, I'm sure many people, it's true, they had their email logged into this account, uh, logged into this site, put in maybe by somebody else, uh, maybe by a spammer who had a collection of emails that they were putting in for whatever reason. Um, so that's worth noting.
7: Right. No, I agree. And can you? What was the number again? How many people were signed up? Can you just read 37 that? Back million. To me? 37, thirty-seven million. Thirty-seven million. I I don't want to jump us too far ahead because I know we're going to talk about this later in the segment. But I think that speaks a little more to the bigger picture issue about monogamy in general and the, this idea of monogamy. If you have thir- thirty-seven million people, there's three hundred and thirteen million people living in the United States. That's close to forty million people. Which I mean, I don't not very it's good like at tenth, math. It's but, almost ten percent. Yeah, it's almost ten percent, if not higher. Maybe maybe. Higher. Higher than ten percent, more than ten percent of the country, Um, and and that's just people that were signed up. That doesn't include people who were having. Uh, affairs in the quote-unquote traditional manners. I think that says more about humans and human nature um, and and society and this idea of monogamy when you have so many people that are, you know, maybe not necessarily looking. I will say looking. Maybe not necessarily having carried through with the cheating, but at least looking to potentially talk to somebody else and about what that says about monogamy in general.
3: Sure. Right, and, and that's the larger conversation that we will have after we introduce our very special guest. And I did want to note, speaking of monogamy so the founder and the former ceo of ashley madison he stepped down he resigned um he prided himself on not being a cheater and he said i have a wife i have two young children if i wanted to cheat i would have did that but it turns out the hackers found some emails that he had on his work account and it looked like he had several different extramarital affairs with different women and he actually paid for the services yeah
5: he um he's a gross guy i've seen interviews with him. Mm. I saw on Amy Schumer's show, she interviewed him, um, and that's how I even heard about Ashley Madison in the first place. And he was, you know, there's there's a number of different reasons, and we'll talk uh, later in the segment, about monogamy and non-monogamy and why people might want to engage in that, right? Which it's maybe isn't wrong um, for whatever. So, But he basically was encouraging people to use his site, saying, you know, if your wife is pregnant and you don't find her attractive basically saying it's a woman's fault if a man loses interest in her and, um... Victim-blaming. And so, victim-blaming and saying, so, a lot of times women do things or, like, become pregnant and a man might lose interest in her, so here's, like, this service for him. It's a really great service I'm providing for all these poor men who have pregnant wives or whatever. Um, But, you know, and there's a way to talk about monogamy, and I was interested to see this interview because I was interested to see maybe he has a good point or maybe he's saying this is for everybody and, encouraging sort of disclosure to partners or whatever, but he didn't do that. He just said, you know, this is... A, it's up to women to maintain their relationships with men Whoa. and make sure that they're attractive <laughs> enough for their men in this very, like, heteronormative, disgusting... Sexist. Sexist way. Right. Um, So I think that he's a total... Whether or not, you know, that i i don't agree that the hack was a good thing but i do think that he's a disgusting jerk
3: okay so on that note we have a very special guest on the line with us his name is andy Eisenson. son he is an attorney an activist and an educator on gender sexuality positive consent practices and non-traditional family formation and believe me his bio goes on and on but i had to sum it up welcome to the show andy
8: Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here.
3: Thank you so much. So, you know, we started the conversation talking about what happened with the Ashley Madison hack. I know that, um, you know, know, Jackie mentioned this briefly, and I remember off-air you were saying that, you know, you had some conflict even with your boyfriend about should they, should the hackers have exposed um, all of these people who were cheating? That means that it's, you know, it's not like they were, for the most part, we can assume that a lot of people weren't in an right. open marriage or open relationship, but they but, were just cheating. But I don't and know then, if it's
5: safe to, assume. we don't know to assume that. Right. So that's what I was saying. He was saying, yes, I think that it's good that this was exposed and that these people were outed. And I was saying, we don't know these people's lives. I, I don't, I'm never for outing anybody. Right. Um, and I, you know, we don't know. So I don't think it was a good thing, this hack at all. Andy, what's your thoughts on that, on the hack itself?
8: You know, I don't think I think there are very few things where it's a where it's possible to unequivocally say this is a good thing or this is a bad thing. I think that uh, I think that there are benefits to this hack in that we are having a national conversation about the the fact that you know maybe monogamy is not the way that everyone is is capable of living or is happy living where previously we weren't having that conversation, and also for you know, for the individuals that were involved, you know, I heard a lot of, a lot of people talking about how there were people living in countries where, uh, where it's not safe or not legal to, uh, to be gay who were using Ashley Madison for gay encounters and that the hack put them in a lot of danger. Um, and so there are certainly a lot of downsides to people being forced into certain kinds of truthfulness or public a public uh, way of existing when they weren't previously up for that, um, it is also the, the question as uh, as one of you was saying earlier, uh, is it more valuable to talk about you know this this person was doing a bad thing and now by being exposed they're being punished for it and that mm-hmm. makes us feel sort of vindicated as a society, or Do we want to talk about the fact that we're only taught that we can live in this one way? And when people find that uncomfortable for them or not fulfilling for them or not the way that they want to build their lives, there isn't a feeling of being able to talk about it or being able to create something new or being able to access resources about other ways of living, the only option that a lot of people can is
3: secrecy um so andy i do want to bring up that point and expand on it when it comes to monogamy it sounds like what you're saying is um this is a societal norm that people are taught um that you know monogamy is the only way and then when people find themselves in a marriage whether it's unhappy or you know maybe they're in a happy marriage and they just you know they start to tap into some you know other emotions or other feelings and they're like maybe this isn't for me and they don't necessarily feel like they have an outlet to you know either to research or to expand or to really express themselves in that way. Um so you know and in the Ashley Madison hack it did bring it does bring this question to light. So I wanted to um ask you to sort of like expand on how you see um this the, the societal norm of monogamy coming into play here.
8: Well as as with most things, I don't think that the problem is inherently uh monogamy or polygamy. I think the problem is in a lot of Ways misogyny,
7: mm.
8: so the the way that we understand monogamy as the way that we have to live is inherently and inextricably intertwined with the understanding that women are the property of the men that they are married to, um, and so of course, given given that if your uh, if your possession is unsatisfactory to you, then it makes sense to just go out and get a new one and you know and so i feel like we can't talk about cheating without talking about misogyny in the same way as we can't talk about the norm of monogamy and the ways that it's harmful without talking about misogyny you know we hear a lot of a lot of uh like evolutionary psychiatri- or psychologists talking about how well men were Da, 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 hunt and gather, spread the seed. You know, men, men are, are biologically inclined towards non-monogamy and women are biologically inclined towards monogamy and child-raising child and staying by the fire and stuff. Um, and it's all nonsense, of course. It's stuff that, that we as a culture reverse-engineered in order to justify and not have to think about why we do things the way we do them. And uh, and in, in the process... We've normalized the idea that uh, that monogamy is this this fragile ideal that uh, for, for men, of course, that uh, that everyone sort of low key knows can't possibly adhere to, but you can't actually tell anyone that you, you're not adhering to it. Um, and so the 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 way ways that um, that I see non-monogamy being explored, um, and I do I do want to point out that when we talk about non-monogamy in our culture right now, and I see this a lot with the uh, the Roberts dissent in the uh, Obergefell case, where he said, "Well, this logic could just as easily be applied to non-monogamous families. Why don't we have non-monogamous marriage?" And everyone immediately jumped to wanting to talk about polygamy. Um, you know, in, in a Sister wives, Mormon, you know, big love type of way, which is no less misogynist and women as property than traditional monogamous
3: marriages. Mm. Guys, if you're just tuning in, we have on the line with us Andy Eisenstein. And we are talking about um, the Andy, the Ashley Madison hack, of course, um, monogamy, cheating, infidelity, and, you know, sort of the, the surrounding issues that this hack has brought to light um, in the national discourse. And if you want to uh, chime into the conversation, the number is 212-650-6903. You
7: yeah, know, I just wanted to add to that, and, um, you know, Andy will probably agree with me on this. It also comes into play is the idea of traditional gender roles right so cuz when you're talking about something in the idea that you know of men and men cheating and you're normally talking about what Jackie mentioned also the heteronormative male and so that conversation um, not only ex- you know it ex- it not only it excludes anybody who falls outside of the traditional gender role uh, roles as well as you know excludes anybody who uh, you know falls outside of traditional uh relationship roles as well right so it's it's not just about um you know, you have to look at these issues in conjunction because they're not completely separate from each other.
5: Yeah. Um, I just think too, you know, there's a difference between this deceit. And I mean, I think that's what a lot of people and why people get so wrapped up in this issue, right? Because they, because love is tricky and it's, you know, emotional and people have experienced heartbreak and the idea of being, Um, lied to by your partner or partners um, is really scary. And so to expose this information, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people looked up to see if they're, um, you know, I heard a lot of people saying, well, if you need to look up to see if your partner was on Ashley Madison, then maybe you have, um, you know, bigger relationship issues. If you have to look that up, then maybe you should break up. But I think that people are naturally curious. I think that people are scared of being, you know, made to look. Foolish for not knowing, and I think that this is—I don't know—I think um, it, as long as there's there's a difference between, I guess, this deceitfulness, which we don't know if every case of, you know, every person using this website was not disclosing this to their partner, really? um, and you know, just people engaging in consen- adults consenting consenting to the types of relationships that they want to be in, and if that's the case, and who cares what people are doing as long as they're consenting adults? I mean, it goes.
7: Beyond this I mean, issue. I think part of this, and I've always viewed this as, you know, the reason why a site like Ashley Madison exists is because we have this uh, I'll call it puritanical perception of monogamy and because you know we have been socialized to believe that monogamy is the norm and so that leads to a situation and I think Andy I'm overlapping but where you know people people have to do it in secret because they're not willing to have a conversation with somebody to say hey I love you I want to be with you but I also want to be with her
3: right. <laughs> you know on that note I think we're going to take yeah, a quick yeah. break yeah we do and I just want to mention I'm come back we're going to get Andy's response to that and I also think that another another issue that arises is the fact that a lot of people are just unhappy in their marriages and i think that of course we need to have um you know we need to have this i this the concept and we need to have more research and you know people should have the option to choose what they want and how they want to love but the thing is they shouldn't just like automatically go that way if it just happens to be like, you know, you're unhappy or something like that. I don't know. I think that I think it could be complex. I don't think that it's, you know, it doesn't have to be one thing, but maybe you should work on your marriage too. I don't know. So we're gonna talk about it when we come back from break. This is Shaggy. It wasn't me for all the cheaters out there. No, I'm just kidding, guys.
9: Oh, all of you clean all your she say your night can be say a day Never admit to a word where she say I ain't baby no way But she got me on the counter Wasn't me Saw me banging on the sofa Wasn't me I even had her in the shower Wasn't me She even got me on camera Wasn't me She saw the marks on my shoulder Wasn't me Heard the words that I told her Wasn't me Heard the screens getting loud. Should she be in me when I told her it wasn't me? Mention no seduction, really, and I'm right for Vicks. And if I use to see you make the jigger low flex, I'm somebody else favor you in a big complex. Seeing is believing, so you better change your specs. You know she ain't gonna bring up whatever things are from the past. All the little evidence, you better know if a mass. Weak by your hands, sir, no off it up. Ah. But if she are back, i you know you better run for us. But she got me on the counter wasn't me she Saw me banging on the sofa It wasn't me I even had her in the shower It wasn't me She even caught me on camera wasn't me She saw the marks on my shoulder It wasn't me Heard the words that I told her It wasn't me Heard the screens getting louder It wasn't me She stayed until it was over
3: pain that is being caused from cheating and infidelity. We're back, guys. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM. Again, my name is Selena Hill. I'm here with Alyssa Fuchs and Jackie Cohen. Stanley is not here. he'll probably be here next Sunday if he doesn't have a hangover so we have a great conversation going on about uh, the Ashley Madison hack again Ashley Madison is an online network that allows people to have extramarital affairs Um, about 37 million people have been registered a lot of uh, government officials clergymen a lot of different people Um, some people are just cheating and doing it um, deceptively and not telling the other person some people are looking to just you know explore different areas or or, you know. different avenues in their romance and in their lives and and we're talking about that because it is something to be talked about and I think that the fact that 37 million people have been signed up it says a lot and it's surprising because it's like Wow, that's a that's a big percentage of the American population. is I'm something. Not surprised. It's well, not all
5: Americans, though, to know. It's, oh, it was there an are international, all over the world. Yeah, and um, I know Andy mentioned earlier, including in countries where things like homosexuality is illegal, and there were people engaging, um, you know, or looking to engage with Same sex partners, so that's why that's where part of the um, I guess, debate as to whether or not this was a moral Because, right, in mean,
7: Iran, you're probably not going on grinder.
3: Oh, no, no, you're <laughs> definitely <laughs> not in Iran, and, and and that's the thing. And it's like, um, I think that if you were just reading it, like someone like myself, I was I was surprised. And the thing is, I understand that a lot of people, you know are you know seeking other avenues but the re- i want to get back to the bottom of why are people unhappy in their marriages are people were they like Socially conditioned to think one thing, like we were talking about monogamy, and then they figure out later on in life that may, that may not be their thing. So I think that that's something that we need to have a conversation about because let's prevent something like this from happening. Like if I had saw my significant other on it, or you know, someone that I respected from from my church or something like that, I would be shocked and I would want to yeah. know like what, what's happening. But we have a very special special guest on the line. We have Andy Eisenstein. He is an attorney and an activist and educator on gender sexuality, positive consent practices, and non-traditional family formation. Andy, um, you know, we had to go on a quick break, but I wanted to get your comments um, about what, what Jackie was saying before we went on break.
8: Right. So so what I want to say here is that we have this idea that, uh, that monogamy is traditional, that it's the way that it's always been. Um, and if you just look at the way that people have actually lived throughout the history of, of humanity – That's actually not true at all. Um, It's actually much more common to live in, you know, throughout history, to live collectively, to live in groups, to pool resources in ways that aren't based on dyads. Um, And so, you know... With anything like this, if you're being told that something is traditional, it's really important to question that and think, who is benefiting from me thinking that this is the way things have always been? Who is being harmed by it, and what would my life be like? What would my choices be like if I didn't believe it? Um, and so a lot of people, um, a lot of my community, the the way that I live, a lot of the clients that I serve in my legal practice have rejected this idea that uh, that monogamy is natural or normal or ideal in order to live uh, in a way that's that's more, uh, you know, a lot of people call it ethical non-monogamy or polyamory. And it's really based around these principles of open and honest communication and the idea that love is not finite. Uh, so the idea that someone loving you or loving someone else doesn't preclude uh, other love that they could have the capacity for, other relationships they could have the capacity for. And I think what I see in these sort of relationships that have enforced monogamy is the idea that a lot of the time monogamy is based on fear, the fear that if your partner is allowed to be with someone else, if you allow them to have a relationship or have sex or have uh, emotional intimacy with someone that's not you, then they won't want you anymore, Mm -hmm. that you suddenly won't be enough anymore. And the idea that monogamy is commitment seems kind of ludicrous when it's framed that way, because it's it's in many cases it's based on the fear that that your partner isn't sufficiently committed to you to continue to choose you over and over again, unless their other options are closed off. And so, you know, what, what the message that I really want people to come away with is. There are lots of ways to build a family and there are lots of ways to live and have relationships. And if you, if you can work with your partner and communicate with your partner enough to feel secure in your relationship and to feel that even if your partner has other people that are important to them, it won't negate or obviate their desire for you. Um, and you're able to have open and honest conversations with them about the idea that it is okay to have sexual attraction to someone else, it is okay to have sexual relationships with someone else, and it doesn't inherently detract from how important you are to each other. I think it would reduce the necessity for this, for people to need to use Ashley Madison and and tools like it not only because they would be capable of having consensually non-monogamous relationships, but also because the more common this type of, you know, consensual non-monogamy is, the more it's out and understood right the more this this fallacious principle of not of monogamy be- natural and traditional and ideal will start to fall down and crumble and i think that, like, w- that would be really good
3: but andy I'm, I'm not gonna lie i agree with you on many points but you kind of messing me up a little bit <laughs> because if my significant other was like you know what selena i've been doing some research and i figured out that maybe monogamy is not for me it doesn't mean that it's going to detract from my desire from you but i wasn't born that way like i think that i should be you know i, I think that you know i would rather explore different avenues and even if That person... Was said, you know what? I wanted to be open and I wanted to communicate with this, communicate this to you. I would be 100% upset and I wouldn't have it. And I'd be like, so you want to cheat on me? That's basically what you're saying. so,
5: So, Alyssa and I had a conversation about this when we were talking about this segment. And we were talking about how the three of us, I think, come from very different perspectives on this issue where there's like a spectrum. And Selena, you are the traditionalist, definitely like traditional relationships. I find my, I am someone that is always in a traditional monogamous relationship because that's what's best for me but i i understand why someone would not necessarily want to do that and, and Alyssa I like And alissa is like oh yeah she the idea of monogamy Alyssa, yeah so um but we were talking about how there was um in amy poehler's book actually there's this great moment where she's talking about her relationships with other women but this goes this is true for everybody just in general where she says you know the key to being good to other women and you know But really to other people in general and treating other people with respect is adopting this mantra, good for them, not for me, right? So that's really how I feel about this is like, you know, I know I'm someone that I like – monogamy that's where I feel comfortable but I understand why people maybe don't want to and good for them but not for me that's that's yeah. what it is right and I, I
7: you know and I, I will say you know I think my rejection of monogamy also comes from just my rejection of societal norms in general I just said, <laughs> yeah. like I don't like this idea that we're socialized to believe certain things and then we find out like as we get older you know when we're children when we don't have a choice in this and then when we get older we realize like hey wait there's other things out there like there's other options. And so you're just, you know, I feel like we we are brought up in this mindset that we, you know, that anything outside of monogamy is weird or right. the freak factor, you know, like, oh my god, that's crazy. And like I'm not going to say for me that, you know, I outright reject the idea of potentially meeting one person that I want to be with, but I'm not also going to say that I, you know, am necessarily monogamous in that way that I will reject the idea of ever being in a relationship with more than one people. I think for me, obviously, good for me, not for you, right? right. Is and to I... be open-minded about, you know, whom or who I want to date and when I want to do it, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, just like I have the, you know, conscious choice to decide um, the gender of the person that I want to date or the non-gender if right. that
3: person so chooses to be non-gendered. Selena? Yeah, but I think that our culture is definitely shifting more towards being more open-minded because you see a lot of couples, especially like celebrities, you hear a lot of hearsay. Some of them have even admitted that they they're in long-term committed marriages, but they do do what's called swinging, or they they consider themselves swingers, where they engage in different sexual practices sure. with other people. I think that's where we should bring Andy back into the conversation and kind
7: of maybe differentiate or you know compare and contrast the difference between you know um, or the overlap between that kind of thing or whether we think that might be some kind of public. Stunt versus you (laughs) know people who actually want who are consider themselves to be polyamorous versus you know some celebrity who's like I'm doing this today Um, or maybe they're not maybe it's not I don't
8: don't know that that's a a particularly important distinction to make you know I think that uh, that there are um, there are people who would draw really strong boundaries between swingers and polyamorous people Um, I think that there are a million ways to be non-monogamous. And the important thing is not are you sexually non monogamous? Are you emotionally non monogamous? Are you this, that, the other thing? But like are you being uh, are you being kind to the people that that you are in relationships with? Are you being careful not to harm e- each other? Are you yeah. being conscious of the ways that your positionality and in society influences the people and, and modes that you have access to. Um, and and so if if people want to go to sex parties and, and have orgies and then go home with just their spouse at the end of the night, but they're being nice to everyone that they're in the orgy with and they're being nice to their spouse and they're thinking critically about why they're doing what they're doing, I'm all in favor of that. If people are living in a... a you know, polyamorous commune with uh, with their chosen family, uh, like I basically am. Uh, and they go home at the end of the night with their six-person chosen family or their 20-person chosen family to where they all live together. Um, and they're being kind to the people in their family and the people that they're interacting with. And they're thinking critically about why they're doing what they're doing and how they're able to. I'm all for that, you know. So I think I, I hear a lot of polyamorous people who are sort of who sort of evangelize about it. They say, you know, well if you're still monogamous, it's just because you haven't seen the light yet. And I think that's a little goofy, um, because, you know, it's 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 sort of I see it sort of like an orientation. You know, if you are a monogamously oriented person, yeah, you can be in a polyamorous relationship, but it's not going to do it for you. It's not going to make you happy. And similarly, if you are a polyamorously oriented person then you can be in a monogamous relationship, but it's not really going to make you happy. Um, and so I think that the takeaway here is not, a, not necessarily about out-of-hand rejection of what we're told we should be doing, but rather critical analysis of why we're doing what we're doing and whether mm. we're doing it only because it's what we've been told that we should do and should want or whether we've actually thought about what it is that makes us happy and have gone after that. That's
7: so, a great point. Mm-hmm.
8: So if you're in a monogamous relationship because you've never thought about it and every romance movie you watched tells you that monogamy is the thing that humans do and you haven't actually thought about it then I would say maybe take a little time think about what it might be like to look at that more carefully and more critically. If you're in a monogamous relationship because you've thought about your options and you've talked about it extensively with your partner and you've decided, I think we don't want to be in relationships, you know, in, in sexually intimate or romantically intimate relationships with people other than each other at this point, uh, that's great. And I'm glad that you're you know, that you're doing what works for
3: you. Right, guys. If you're just tuning in and you have you have a question or a comment, you can do so by calling us up at two one two six five zero six nine zero three. And I I do think that it is very important for us to start to examine it because I am someone who like I have like a church background and you know my parents were married and you know that was all that I saw. Um, and I'm a hundred percent that I can't handle anything <laughs> else. <laughs> like I know That's that that of. that works for me, but the thing is, it is enlightening to you know to understand that and just to see how society at large is conditioned in this way. And um, I do know some people who say that, you know, monogamy is extremely hard for me. And, you know, it, it took me a while to, like, really relate. And I'm like, but you're married. Then why did you walk down the aisle? Why did you commit to that person? Why are you with someone who is monogamous and expects you to be monogamous? And they're like, well, I take it day by day. Right. And I'm like, is that
7: hard? And I think that's really the key, which is that you have to have the conversation, right? The, the key to that is open and honest communication. I mean, that is also... I mean, very, very important in the non-traditional uh, and polyamorous family structure, which is you have to be above board. You can't go do things behind people's back. But that it's, should be true in
5: monogamous and, and, relationships, and, and right? And right? that yeah.
7: is the point exactly. Jackie took the words out Sorry. of my mouth. <laughs> uh, that should be true in, in a monogamous relationship right. as yep. well.
8: Whatever you're doing, you have to all be on the same page about it. Right,
3: right. Right. Um, Andy, thank you so much for calling us up today. Can you please let our listeners know how they can find more information about you and um, how you educate um, different people on gender and sexuality and the such?
8: Oh, sure. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at AndyEyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. You can visit the website of the law firm where I work, which is Diana Adams Law and Mediation at dianaadamslaw.net. Uh, and if you're interested in... Uh, in consulting with us, or retaining us, uh, or retaining me, uh, or uh, getting me in for a speaking gig, my contact information is on that website. Uh, you can get my phone number and my email on that website, DianaAdamsLaw.net. Uh, and I don't know. My Facebook is mostly just pictures of my partner's cat, so I don't think that <laughs> I don't think that you really want me to share that. Um, but Twitter is a good way to get in touch with me and the eyeballs.
3: Got it. Thank you so much again, Andy, for calling in. Um, and I just wanted to wrap up by saying that um, I-, I think that with, in any relationship, the keys are always, you know, mutuality when it comes to respect, love and communication and being honest not only with your partner but with yourself and I think that of course you need to be introspective to the fact where you know exactly why you're making the choices why you chose your partner and why you're choosing this lifestyle but then I also think that you know if you did make this choice and commitment and then you know let's say that you don't feel like that anymore that can be very problematic and whether you have you know whether you use something as an excuse of you know well I cheated with her because I don't think monogamy is for me. Like that's not gonna that's not gonna fly. I think that you need to be honest, and I think that you know if you do come to the to the point where you're like you know I married this person five or ten years ago and we have this you know beautiful happy family, but I don't think it's for me. That's hard, and that's yeah. gonna be hard for you, and that's gonna be hard for your family too. So that's why I mean.
5: I don't have, know. It, have, it, the conversation.
3: You have, the, have the conversation. Have the conversation. But being
5: open and honest is always better than, um, you know, going I don't know. back. I think that, you know, you never know. And you shouldn't always assume that you know what your partner is going to do or say. Because maybe that would lead to just healthier relationships all across the board. Yeah, but how did – what was that song they said? If you cheat on me, I don't want to know. But that's another <laughs> thing. Someone sorry. might say, like, that's okay. I just don't want to know. Right. Just do what you need to do. I don't want to know about it. And that's okay, too. People, you know, can – rule their relationships in the way that they think is best for them right but on that note we're gonna have to go
3: on a quick break but when we come back Alyssa has a quickie but not that type of quickie that you're thinking of she's gonna be breaking down ballot selfies so stay tuned
0: don't touch that die. keep it locked on WHCR 90.3 FM the voice of Harlem
2: Greetings, this is Honey from Harlem 411. Tune in to Harlem 411 Friday nights at 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. for information on health, education, housing, community events, and more. Harlem 411 serves information to you with the opportunity to call in with your questions. Harlem 411 Produced to serve the community's needs. Let us serve you with information. Friday night, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. on Harlem 411.
5: First, let me take a selfie. ever recorded.
7: And we are back, and we are taking selfies and Snapchatting them. No, Selena's doing that. All right, guys. This is Alyssa. I am here with the Quickie. Uh, We are going to talk about the First Amendment, about freedom of speech, and about selfies. I know you guys are all really excited, so I'm going to first start out by giving you some examples. Okay, so let's say you are running for office. You are a state representative. You go to the voting booth, um, and you take a picture of yourself with your ballot, and then you post it online to show that you voted for for yourself and for other candidates um, that you liked and that you encourage other people to do the same. Um, And then the FBI shows up at your house or the state police. Okay, second scenario. Let's say... you were at the state house and you took a photo of your ballot to memorialize your own candidacy again Um, and then you purposely or then you heard that the attorney general's office in your state was attempting to prosecute people for violating a ban on photos in in, uh, voting booths so you posted your ballot and protest writing come at me bro on Facebook (laughs) and then the cops came to your house okay last one let's say you Hate all the candidates and you think they all suck. So you decide that you're going to take a photo um, of you in the photo booth having voted for your deceased dog uh, and you are going to vote for your dog and you are now going to post this photo of you with your ballot where you voted for your dog um, on Facebook and then the cops come to your house. Um, So those are three real scenarios. Those are three things that actually happened. Um, They could happen to you. And uh, the reason why these are happening is that in some states it is actually. Actually illegal to take a picture of yourself in the voting booth with your ballot to show who you vote for. So let's walk it back a second and let's talk about why we have these laws in the first place. Yeah. So the reason why these laws were created which was because during the 30s and the 40s there was a lot of voter coercion and a lot of vote buying. Essentially what would happen was if you worked for a company uh, and your company was in favor or your boss we should say, the CEO of the company was in favor of a certain candidate. He would tell all of his employees you have to vote for this candidate and if you don't vote for this candidate and you have to take a picture of yourself in the voting booth voting for this this candidate to prove to me that you actually did it, otherwise, you get fired. Or let's say you are part of a union and the union boss says to you the same thing I want a picture of you in the voting booth with the ballot so that I can see that. You voted for the person that the union said that you should vote for. That's why those laws were created in the first place. They were created to prevent that. And it's because people who were in positions of power were using their positions of power to influence the votes of the people who are under them by saying, we're going to throw you out of the union or you're going to lose your job and so you have to do this. And so states reacted to the vote buying and voter coercion by saying, you know what, we're going to pass these laws which make it illegal to take pictures of you in the ballot with your – I'm sorry, in the voting booth with your ballot. So it was done for people's protections. Now, side note, I think that was the wrong way to handle it. I think you should have gone after the people who were doing the voter coercion and the voter buying. But, you know, I wasn't around back then, um, and that's not what they did. So now these laws are now coming under – um, scrutiny uh, in the 21st century because we live in a world where everybody takes pictures all the time. They post these photos online. The selfie is like the biggest thing since sliced bread. Um, and everybody wants to do a Snapchat and an Instagram and a Twitter and a Facebook of themselves, including in the voting booth. And so now people are actually coming under fire for this. Um, so recently, the ACLU, which is the American Civil Liberties Union, and other civil rights groups have sort of taken up this issue and they are making the argument. That That these bans on photo booth selfies are illegal because they violate the First Amendment of the Constitution, which says you have freedom of speech and freedom of expression. And taking a photo of yourself in the voting booth and posting it to social media is the very antithesis of your freedom of expression, freedom to express to others who you voted for and that you voted. Um, So how did this all come about? Well... Uh, There was a case um, that came out in the Supreme Court last term. Uh, It kind of flew under the radar. Nobody really was talking about it. It was called Reed versus the Town of Gilbert. And what it did was it struck down an Arizona municipal sign regulation which put strict limits on signs that uh, had directions to church gatherings and um, on those other type of – then those with other type of messages such as advertisements of political candidates. Essentially, basically they said if you want to advertise a church gathering, then you have to follow certain – Rules. But if you want to advertise other gatherings, such as, you know, this political candidate is going to be giving a, a campaign rally, those would be under other rules. And so um, they, this was challenged. It went up to the Supreme Court. And in an opinion that was a um, majority opinion written by Justice Clarence Thomas, of course, somebody I don't always agree with, but I agree with him here, he said that this um, kind of regulation uh, was. A violation of the First Amendment because it treated treated speech um, about two different subjects differently based on what the topic was, right? Right. If it was about religion and about church it was treated one way. If it was about anything else it was treated differently. And he said this can't stand under the First Amendment. That's kind of opened up a can of worms um, where there was now new lawsuits. And so the first lawsuit was in New Hampshire uh, and a federal judge recently said that it was unconstitutional for the government to try and ban the ballot selfie. Um, In 2014 New New Hampshire amended a state law and prohibited voters from taking photos of their marked ballots and then distributing or sharing these images on social media or by other means. The state said it wanted to protect the sanctity, sanctity, sorry, of the secret ballot and guard against vote buying and vote coercion, voter coercion, which is what I talked about in the very beginning of the quickie. Um, and this law, like I said, was challenged, um, and it, the ACLU won in a 42-page decision that was written by District Judge Paul Barba. Barbadoro, I'm sorry. He said the state had violated the First Amendment because it provided a solution for a problem doesn't, that did not exist. Mm. He said that there was no evidence in the record that showed that there had been voter buying or voter coercion in New Hampshire since the late 1800s. And his opinion partly relied on the Reed case, which I previously mentioned, um, saying that you know under the Reed case and the First Amendment, this kind of regulation was targeting uh, speech and therefore could not stand. Um, and so so now, um, uh, although uh, New Hampshire was the first state to specifically ban ballot selfies, uh, many other states uh, have had longstanding bans on photography and polling places. Another one of those states is Indiana. And so now the ACLU is uh, bringing a case in Indiana to change these laws. And it will be really interesting going forward uh, to see you know, how this sort of plays out because there's definitely two – you know important competing interests at work here, which is on one hand, you know, First Amendment, but on the other hand, wanting to make sure that we don't return to a time uh,
3: where there's voter coercion and voter buying. So right. that's all I got for you today. Will these be? Will these cases be wrapped up by 2016? the 2016 election or we don't know. I honestly don't know
7: the answer to that question because even this case in New Hampshire may now be challenged further. There may be an appeal up to the circuit court and then further up to the Supreme court. You're going to see now challenges in Indiana as well. I can't say for sure whether it will be resolved by 2016. On one hand, I want to say no because of the way that the Supreme court picks and chooses cases. And it may just not be ripe to go to the Supreme court by the time the election happens or the Supreme Court could step in and say, you know what, we're going to pluck this issue. We think it's important for us to deal with it. But that's generally not the case, so uh, it's really hard to tell.
3: So on that note, be careful when you're taking those selfies inside the ballot, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to Let Your Voice Be Heard today. You can catch us on scatterradio.com. You can also uh, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes at LYVBH Radio. We're also on Stitcher, so LYVBH Radio. We're all over, guys. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard, and we'll see you next week.
6: is a guided meditation on parenting. Begin by finding a comfortable, relaxed position. Let out whatever stress is in your body. It could be from the time you left your daughter's blouse in the dryer too long and it shrunk four sizes. Or when you donated her private diary to the public library. Or when you thought chaperoning the school dance meant actually dancing in the school dance. Whatever it is, let it go. The fire you started with that experimental dinner, let it go. The time you drove away from the gas pump, with the gas pump, let it go. Three, very relaxed. Two, there you go. One.
0: You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Adopt U.S. Kids and the Ad Council.
2: More people in the United States die from diseases caused by cigarette smoking more than by abusing prescription painkillers, illegal drugs, and alcohol. According to the Center for Disease Control, 480,000 people die from diseases brought on by cigarette smoking 2003, while only 56,000 people die from alcoholism, prescription painkillers,